Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. One of my favorite exercises to use with the K-Box is the K-Box Zercher Squat. Uh, the big thing with the equipment they provide is the bar is padded, so it's a lot more comfortable than you would be with a barbell, but it still is going to be all the upper back, leg, and core work of the normal Zercher Squat. Couple pro tips that I'd say here, make sure you've got a little bit more room on the strap at the top than you would guess so that you can keep it flowing smooth up and down. And I prefer to start this exercise at the bottom. So sit back, get all the way down into that deep squat position, chest up, abs tight, and start driving up. With the goal to keep your posture high and move fluidly through the range of motion, this is an absolute favorite of mine and I hope you guys give it a try with your K-Box today. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Steve, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, man. Oh, I can't, can't thank you enough for having me on. It's a big pleasure. Big pleasure. Yeah, man. I'm fired up for this, man. We've had the opportunity to talk a couple times and, uh, and kind of rap about some of the interesting things you got cooking down there. It's in the summer with the heat cooking is kind of an interesting choice of words, I guess. But uh, before we get going too far, let's let everybody know who you are, where you're at, and how you got going you know, got going down there. Yeah, I get, I get, I don't have your typical strength coach story here. So it's a little bit different. I'll try, uh, try not to be too long winded so we can kind of get into the song, the fun stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm down here at Sienega high school in Bale, Arizona. We're just, uh, just Southeast of Tucson. Um, people like to say they don't know where we are. The Phoenix schools don't like, uh, don't like to acknowledge sometimes, but we got some coach. They know, they know who we are. They know who we are. We got some good guys up there. So they, they helped promote us too. But so, you know, you know, I'm that typical kid. I was in high school, wasn't very good, good student, wasn't the best, but I wanted to play football. You know, we're, we're both SUNY kids. I went to SUNY Brockport. So it was the one place that, that recruited me and I got the opportunity to get up there. And I don't know what we did, but we, we produced some strength coaches, you know, with the opportunity to be uh, Nate Harvey. You formerly of Buffalo with the lead FTS, Ed Zaskolski, who's still at Brockport, Justice Gallick, who's with the Jets, Matt Walter, who owns his own Beyond Driven facility. You know, we all lived together, played together, so got got the opportunity. You know, we didn't do too much lifting when I was in high school. You know, I learned how to lift on my own, and we did some, but, you know, having a group of guys like that really helped me get into it. So I knew there was kind of something I wanted to do, but I, I got a P, P in a health degree. My parents, after I was done with my – student teaching tell me that they were going to move to Arizona. I'm like, all right, I've never been there. I like warm weather. I'll go play golf all year round, you know? So I moved, I 
right before I moved, I was teaching, um, I was teaching gymnastics to four through 12 year olds and swimming to four through 12 year olds. And so when I was looking to move, I knew where the area of the school was. I was checking out all the high schools on max preps. Like who's got, who's got good football? Like, where am I going to go? So luckily the Cienega was in the, in the area I was looking at. So I moved on out here without a job thinking I'd get a job because I moved in July and we start school after Labor Day in New York, not knowing they start school in the middle of July here. So, so luckily I got the, the place I was teaching gymnastics. It was a, a franchise. So they gave a good word and I went for a, a job interview for the gymnastics place. And one of the ladies who worked there, her husband coached football at Cienega. And then when I went on the interview, we went to a little restaurant and walked into a guy wearing a Cienega shirt. He was the D coordinator at the time. And he was like, Hey, here's, here's the head coach's number. So I called the head coach and he were asking like, Hey, I coach football. You know, I just moved out here. I'm a teacher looking for a job. You know, can I get an interview? What are we doing? He goes, come out to practice. I go out to practice. He hands me a calendar. I said, you want to know about my experience? I got a couple years. Nope. Just show up. So <laughs> this time he gives me a job on his coaching staff, not really knowing who I am, but his, his whole deal was if you show up and put the work in, you're going to be good for us. So I was doing the gymnastics and personal training and trying to get sub jobs. And, uh, he didn't have the, uh, I wasn't getting much sub jobs. I'm like, dude, I, I'm not getting money. I can't really do this. So he helped me out and got me to be a long-term sub. So my, I was my first like teaching job at Siena. I was teaching like business, math, and economics. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I got to get in a weight room. Like, what am I doing? I got to get PE, do something. So eventually though, it kind of, you know, I've made myself so they couldn't really get rid of me because now I'm coaching wrestling. We're going in the spring and I'm going to be a baseball coach too. And they, they gave me a part-time health position. Now, granted, remember, I got a health degree, but everything I've ever done is PE and we got block periods. So they threw me into a 90-minute block period in a health classroom and I've never even, I just got the health degree because my advisor told me to. Like, I don't know what's going on. So, but it, it transitioned me in. So then the next year, now I'm a full-time teacher. So, you know, the whole time, you know, I'm still training. I'm still keeping up with these guys, asking resources, just trying to figure it out. Like, how do I get into that? Because I knew I wanted to work in this weight room, which is really crazy because that's where I'm at. It took me nine years to get here. But so I'm teaching health for a while. And somehow I wound up like I got a class it was before everybody went one to one. You know, I, um, I had a class. It was the first one of our kind in our school. And my kids had laptops. So I'm teaching a digital health class. So that means like I'm using technology. I'm not a technology guy, but I'm using it. So our principal at the time gave me the opportunity to teach other teachers how to use technology. So that kind of evolved into one of our middle schools needed a site technology coordinator. Site technology coordinator is somebody who, who just oversees the infrastructure. So they asked me to do it. Zero tech background. I don't know what I'm doing. Sure, it's better than teaching health really tired of teaching health. It was like a part-time thing. So then I go do this and I got to tell you, man, I, I'm wearing dress clothes, climbing on roofs, doing antennas, programming network switches. I'm like, I got to get out of this. So at that time, Neiman, who was our AP head football coach, he was going to transition into being the principal here. So he couldn't be the football coach. So he brought in Pat Nugent, who's, you know, another, these, let me tell you, these two are like coaching legends of, Tucson, Arizona. So he brings Pat in. And um, at that point in time, they needed, 
that's like, I need a better weight room. We need to upgrade the weight room. So they moved the facilities and talk about that a little bit. But so I'm like, I'm telling him he's in, he knows my background and what I'm going to do. So I start writing his programming for him for the football team. And then uh, I'm like two weeks away from taking a job at Raytheon. Cause I can't do middle school technology anymore. And then the, the guy coach Johnson, who was in the weight room was, was moving and so he had the opportunity to bring me in and uh so coach Nugent brought me in and, and saved me and finally got me nine years later into the the program I always wanted to be a strength coach for so uh when we when I first started over here it was we had um our weight room they put in the old wrestling room and moved the wrestling room to the weight room so they bought 10 new 10 new power racks for one side for the athletes and then all the old equipment that came over, all the cable cross machines and, you know, preacher curl machines and all that stuff was in here. So I started with four classes with athletes and two at the gen pop. And I feel bad for my gen pop kids because I didn't really pay attention to them. I mean, I made sure we were safe. Don't get me wrong. But on the other side of the room were the athletes I was writing the programming for. So finally, Coach Newsom was like, all right, just, just take them. Just take them. I'll take those. But what we started slowly doing is we started with like, I had like 35 kids my first year. We're looking at upwards. Of our, our average class is 75 to 85 right now. So it kept growing. So I kept having to shift equipment out and we kept buying racks. So my first year I bought two racks. Then the next year I bought three more and then I bought two more. So now we have 17 racks. So our room is just an open space. So 17 power racks some dumbbells, a bell squat, two reverse hypers and a strip of turf. And we still can't get all our kids in here, but it's, it's evolved over the time that we, okay, we had the gen pop and we had the split classes. And now we have this, this cultural piece of what we do. And it, it, it's unique because we do some different things. So it's really helped us grow those numbers and buying. And we're not just like come in and get strong. You know, we're going to do a whole bunch of different things. So it, it, again, maybe a little long winded, but you're not typical path to get here. You know, I didn't, I'm going into my fifth year doing this. I've had a background forever, but, you know, there was no unpaid internships, no GAs, no jumping around the country. You know, I just, I have mentors that I haven't worked with, but they're just great, great people to me. Yeah. But I think that following that, you know, it's something that we've talked about in the past is like, you know, there's a lot of people that think that these internships and all this and that need to be these big time gigs, but like, there's still something to be said about like pursuing and working and building your network and doing what you got to do to get your foot in the door and meet the people you need to meet before you get the opportunity to be in the position you want to be in. Yeah. I had that conversation with a former athlete this morning. We were actually talking about that, you know, cause he's, he's going into it, you know, he's getting an exercise physiology degree and playing football and I talk like, you know, everybody has this stigma, like you have to be a D1 guy, you have to be a pro guy, you look, you know, and sometimes I think we have it backwards, I have the best opportunity to develop a kid, I get them in their developmental years, like 14 to 17 year old kids, we watch them grow, and then they become part of our family, whereas like, I know just tells me all the time, you know, sometimes my job's a lot harder than his, because he has paid professional athletes that are fine at athletic machines you know and but and but so people don't look at it that way they have to do this i have to go to d1 i, I don't don't gotta work with kids you know yeah well and you gotta work with the population that best suits you and i think that you know obviously like buy-in and getting 
people to build relationships and the family idea is the neat, cool, sexy thing to say now. But the unique things that you do are things that maybe won't work everywhere, but are some things that coaches need to take a step back and go, well, maybe there are some things that we can take from this. So, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, I'm a power lifter, meathead guy. I want to throw around as much weight as possible. I first took the job. I'm like, well, kids are going to get strong, really strong. And they realize, no, we got to be healthy. We're going to be powerful. And it, it, that, that part of our program has evolved and enjoy that. But, you know, I had a good, I had a talk with a good friend, Nick Cornell one day, and he started telling me how he, he likes to take a little chunk of his time to, tell the kids stories about reflections of life and things. And this made me start thinking, I got to do more of that because we have this athlete attitude thing that we go through and where they fall on that chart. So we, always, we do that piece with them where they have to have this self-reflection and that scares them. It's, it's scary because they all think every kid walks in the door and they're going to tell you right up front, I'm going to be a pro athlete. Because when we, we have them write a paper about their why, and it's not to be, and most would say, I'm going to be, I want to be a pro athlete. Well, you, this isn't the class for you then because you need to develop in different manners. So we ask them to do this thing. You know, we go through a couple, you know, I ask my kids to write papers. We write papers sometimes. And so when they get that self-reflection, they sit back and they're like, oh, wow. You know, I really, uh, I'm not doing what I think I'm doing. I'm not doing what I think I need to be doing. And it really helps open up. And the other thing is that really helps us connect with our kids. One of the things that you are, we're seeing high school, CHS connections, high standard success. Number one thing, the number one thing we get to do in the weight room is make connections with kids and build and develop kids. And that, you know, once they know you care, they just start to trust you and you talk to them. So like I have these kids write these papers and I have a girl, fantastic girl. I've used this story before premier like athlete we have. And she wouldn't do her prowlers. And I'm trying to figure out why. So finally in this paper, she explains why. She said she's not compelled. She's a committed athlete because she's not doing something because of a personal reason why. That gave me the opportunity to talk to her about that. So these kids give me these reasons. Sometimes, you know, a kid, I know he's got, he's got, you know, he's living on a friend's couch. So he's struggling. We get to learn about that. So we try and take these attitude and belief, you know, beliefs, learn who they are and why they're doing it. And some kids believe they, they need to work really hard to get a scholarship because mom and dad can't help them pay. So we can help that kid work through that too. And then the next thing that we really started doing, and I love it, and I'm pretty sure most of our kids like it, um, we do what I call story time. So when we do story time, I take all my kids because we, we have a block period, which is really cool. So it lets me utilize that because up front, I'm like, I can't take any time. These kids got to get we don't have enough time. And it is. And I just really I kept thinking more and more. We got to, you know, our number one belief that I put in our guiding principles is, is to make them help them become better people. So they can be better sons and daughters, fathers and mothers husbands and wives down the road we can't just let them be better athletes we got to figure out how to be better people so we in that block period I take time and I sit them down it's really cool they all come running over like elementary school kids and they sit down on the floor 85 of them and I take out a book you know we used four different books last year I got a new one we're going to incorporate this year but and uh we pick themes 
themes for them and it goes in, you know, and sometimes I'll change it based on where they're at and what they need. But, you know, we'll talk about discipline and what it means to have discipline. And it's not just, you know, these strict things like our kids, our room is set a very perfect way. It's it, like our boards sit on top of our squat boxes. Their handles have to face the left and the med ball goes to the right. Is it because I'm OCD? No, it's because they have to have attention to detail. This is their home and they need to take care of it. And that attention carries over to other things that they do. So if we can help with a little bit of discipline and attention to detail, that's going to carry over to their classroom life. And we've seen it happen. It's going to carry over to the field. You know, they have expectations. So, you know, we do that. We do, you know, um, humility we've talked about. You name it and we've done it you know, the process of being great, how do you get to that? And it's not just, they don't understand. We've talked about the steps of it. You know, you, they all think that you start something and you go straight up in a straight line and it's going to be there. They don't understand. They go up, they'll plateau a little bit, they'll drop down, then they'll go up. They got to understand this process. And, and it really helps them understand because how many times does a kid get down on himself because it hasn't instant gratification in our world. And it's not, everybody thinks, it's happening right now. We talk about the process with them all the time. Like our freshmen have really done a great job of buying into the process and understanding. They all think they're going to come in. I had a kid one day come in over the summer. He was an incoming freshman. His dad came with a belt. I said, you could take that home, man. He ain't putting a bar on his back for months. And they learned these progressions and this process through this discipline because we built it in them. Like we, we do some crazy stuff. We're a modified conjugate. So I'm asking them to do a lot and learn a lot, but they bought into the process because we take care of them as a person and try and do other things with them instead of just go lift. Yeah, man. And I think that that's really neat. And I think that, you know, there's probably a lot of strength coaches out there that are like story time and papers. How am I ever going to do that? But I think that if you can find something to allow them to express themselves and be, and find a unique way to communicate a lesson to them, even if lesson maybe isn't quite the word, but you can find a way to communicate a point to them yeah. that's unique. You're going to be able to get that information across ex exponentially more successfully. It's really cool. I, you know, I've had the opportunity to present a couple times on like our, what the weird things that we do, the different things that we do for our culture and or environment where and i've had coaches come back and say hey i'm reading the kids they i did um i was lucky enough in february i, I went to vegas and presented at the the glazer we had like 220 people in there at eight o'clock in the morning i'm like no way i'm getting people in there in the morning in vegas and talked about this story time and, and i got so many emails like hey Hey, what were those books again? I got to buy these books. And people are like, I yeah, bought them right away. And it did the same thing. We presented online in April for Arizona and people were just typing in the chat, I bought the books, bought the books. My kids buy the books. I love it. They open up their bag and they show me one of the books or they bought them for their parents. And like, so that means that they're taking it in. It's not just a wasted time. They bought into what we have done and they believe that, yep, I can get better doing this. You know, so it's really cool. Yeah, man. And whether they think they can or they can't, they're probably right, right? When, you know, and I know we had talked about this before, kind of one of the unique differences with us too as well is because we, um, with that scheduling, only my football kids have their own class. 
we always tell them they're like the zoo animals anyway. So they get to have their own away from everybody else. But so the rest of them, you know, you got 80 kids together and you got a baseball kid with a softball girl. They're like relatively in the room is like, we, we call them families. You know, there's not the second hour class. It's a second hour family. And we try and get them to bring things together and take to that. And so that, that moves kind of into something else that we do around here that I don't one part, I don't even know how it started. We do a, I do a college shirt of the week. So whenever my kids go away, if they want to, they send me a shirt and then I, I wear it and I take a picture and I put it up on Twitter and they, they love it. We get this college shirt of the week. I got the greatest college shirt collection. I have no idea how that started. But we also do a senior wall for those kids. So a couple of years ago, a couple of kids, they wanted, you know, they were like friends at that point in time, you know, they wanted it. They gave me a gift when they were leaving and we put it up there and these kids are like, how do we do that? How do we get that? So we started kids who've commit through their senior year. Cause you know, they like to drop. If they play basketball, they kind of want to go away when they're done with their season. If they've committed, we take a picture. They tell me what they want me to wear. They wear their uniforms. We take a picture and we get a nice plaque and they put it on a back wall. So we, you know, they, because they, they, it's family. So we have the open door policy. Once you leave, you're always part of our family. So our kids are in here all the, when they come home from college, they're on breaks. Who are they calling? Calling and coming in because they know this is, this is where they're welcome to go. They don't need to go get an LA fitness membership. Come on in. We've got you. You're part of our family. So we trying to work these different things that they're one and we're one and you're always a part of it no matter what. Yeah, man. And I think that that's a really awesome thing that you're able to do at the high school level that's unique, you know, and it's, I think a lot of us in college like to talk about how pros come back every now and then or whatever, but really like having that relationship and being able to do that, like I get to work with a swim club with younger kids, like having that door that's always open and them always being able to come back. And even if it's not even to train, like more often than not, it's like, yeah, I'm coming to work out. And it's like, no, you're not. You're coming to BS for like 45 minutes. And you know, it's awesome. Like it's, it's great. Yeah. You know, that's, that's funny because some kids are going to come back and train. And most of the time when they do it, they have to come on my training time, which is 5am, but they'll do it. They'll do it. But then you're randomly in class one day and a kid just walks through the door just because, he happened to be home for the weekend and just wants to come in and see you. And that's one of the best parts about high school and this job is you get them for four years. And I, I tell, I told our staff that like you take algebra one, you go to algebra two, you don't have that teacher anymore. So we get to build these relationships with them. So by times these kids leave as seniors, they're not students, they're friends. You know, there's, they're going to be calling you for life issues. I had a kid call me one day cause he got pulled over. He got pulled over and he didn't know what to do. His mom was going to kill him. But so, you know, had him for four years. This is the kind of relationship that you have with a kid. So, you know, it, it's a unique, it's an awesome environment. You know, I, what's that old saying? You make the big time where you're at, you know, love my Sienega crew. I love this weight room. I, I love these kids. And we have a great time and we'll keep it going that way. Yeah, and I think that that's just another huge perk of being in, in high school. I think that, that it's something – I don't know why, like, people get, give, like, some stupid stigma, but it's like, yo, like, you're in their formative developmental years. You get the most time with them, and, and they're always coming back. They're always there. And, like, you know, there's so many 
higher level strength coaches that say the opposite. Like, I don't understand why people look at this and they're like, yeah, I don't know if I would take that high school job. Cause I'm, I don't know what you're looking at if you're questioning that. Yeah. Again, I was part of that conversation I had today with a former athlete and it's just like, let's see, A, I have a contract. B, I have benefits. C, I don't get fired when my head coach gets fired. I don't have to pick up and move around. I get to develop relationship with kids. I still, I get to watch them develop throughout the years and grow from a kid to an adult. I, you know, I think sometimes we have it backwards. Like, I don't, you know, you're looked at sometimes as the high school guy. Well, what does that mean? Like, I, I've got degrees, I've got certifications, I know what I'm doing, like, this is where I chose to be. Like, don't label us that way sometimes. And not everybody does. Great relationships with other coaches, you know, like, you know, Rob Harris down at the U of A and Leanne Blaine up at ASU, you know, they're, they they love what we do. They Leanne's come to visit and, and watch what we do in our program. And she's like, oh my God, this is high school. I miss the high school, you know? And, so you know, there's great people all over the place, but you know, sometimes it is, it's rough. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's, and even if people are going to label people, I mean, I've been labeled a hundred million things, but probably just old and fat is what I should be now. But you know, it's like, like at the end of the day, like we're just trying to get people to move better and have better general qualities, whether they're 14 or, you're a 20 year NFL vet. Like you're still just trying to teach people how to move better, build robustness, build some specific qualities and move forward. Yep. Just, just love what you're doing where you're doing it. And it's all good. Just like, you know, we've talked before, you know, you, you're tired of the argument. You're tired of the argument of the, the straight bar versus the trap bar, this program versus that program. We all got a job to do and we all need to love what we do. And, and just have passion and pride in it no matter where you are. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's plenty of stupid arguments going on right now. I think I, think I put it out today. Like the, the one thing that I've learned in, of late is that like the only thing Twitter is teaching me is like people who have no idea what they're talking about like because of things that like that that people are putting out there. But we probably should break out some like good bourbon or something for that conversation. Cause that can get me, uh, that can get me going good, but no, nah, man, listen, where can people find out more about what you're doing and, and see what you guys are cooking down there? You know, I, I got a, I got a Twitter and an Instagram. I'm pr- pretty terrible at both, but uh, they're both at Steve Schween. You know, you could email me if you want. I don't I give out my damn phone number for all I care. If you want to just give me a call or a text, you know, my email is, is Schween, S-S-C-H-W-E-N-S at bailschooldistrict.org or, you know, 520-668-4193. I mean, you want to talk about what we do, I have no problem you giving me a call. I love it, man. Schween, I appreciate your time as always, brother. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. and We'll be in touch real soon, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you letting us get a, get our name out there a little bit on this platform. Well, I appreciate you guys doing what you do, man. You're kicking butt down there. So kudos to you. Keep it up, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man. Cheers.